I apologize. I was given a cough drop right before I preached or started to preach, and I can't do that. Last week, we were reminded in verses 39 through 42, uh, again, that the Christian life is not all about our rights. And you may or may not remember what we talked about, but it was uh, Christ reminding the disciples and uh, to the believers that if you're slapped on the cheek, you need to turn the other cheek, whether it be figurative or whether it be literal. He said if you're sued and you lose the contest, you don't just give them the coat, you give them the cloak as well. You go above and beyond what is required of you. He said if you're compelled to walk a mile, do more and go the extra mile. And when a person is in need and needs to borrow something, you loan it if you've got it. And I said last week, and I want to say again this evening, the Christian life is not easy. You can just be reminded of those four little statements and be reminded the Christian life is not easy. And when people suggest that the Christian life is easy, as I said then, I'd like to say again tonight, that is someone who is not even living it. Because the only people who think, oh, yeah, that's not so tough, are the ones who aren't doing it. Because if you're truly trying to live the Christian life, you're reminded over and over and over again just how tough it is. Tonight, we're going to finish up chapter 5. And as we do, I want to ask you a favor. Can I be a human being tonight? And what I mean by that is, is don't take what I say out of context and say, my goodness, I didn't know he was so carnal. It's not that I'm so carnal, it's just that I'm so normal. Okay? And so tonight as I preach, I, I plan on saying some things, and I don't want it to rub anyone wrong. I just want you to know that what I'm saying to you, it is something that I know I struggle with. But tonight I want to begin with a thought that I, I'm pretty sure I used several years ago in a message, and I, I apologize for not being more original or creative this week in this message. But I, I want to begin by reminding us of an old jingle that was used by Toys R Us. How many of you know what the very first line from the jingle from the old Toys R Us commercials was? Brother Randy? I, I don't want to grow up. Do you remember that old jingle? I don't want to grow up. I'm a Toys R Us kid. See, that's why I wouldn't be in the choir if you had to do auditions, okay? But that was the very first line of the Toys R Us jingle, I don't want to grow up. Now, if you were to go home and you were to YouTube the whole jingle, which well, you do it if you want, it's not a big recommendation on my part, but what you find out the jingle is doing is it's promoting all the great deals and all the great buys that you can get at Toys R Us, and there are so many toys to choose from. And the kids are expressing this thought, I don't want to grow up because if I did, I couldn't be a Toys R Us kid. So what they're saying is this, I don't want to grow up because if I grow up, I have to put away all my toys. And I have to become an adult. And that's not what children want to do. Now, if you think about that, whether they intended for that jingle to become the life verse for individuals, that jingle has become the life verse of many people. Many people have adopted this idea. Many people have adopted this mentality and this philosophy to life. I don't want to grow up. 
I may be 20 years old, I may be 25 years old, I may be 30 years old, whatever the age may be, I may be that, but I don't want to grow up, and it's evident in how they choose to live their lives. You still have these men, and uh, for lack of better words, okay, and, and, and again, I'm just going to be honest with this tonight, and I'm just going to be transparent, but you have these men who call themselves men, and they still do the video games like little boys. That bothers me. It bothers me for this reason. That time could be invested in things far more important than a video game. I, I mean, I have literally known marriages who have had serious marital problems because the guy could not put down the controller. You've got a wife in the home. You've got children in the home. And you, like some knucklehead, you are somehow connected to other people across the United States. And y'all are playing war games with each other? Try investing that time and that money and that effort and that energy and that concentration on your wife. Can't do it. I'm on level 28. <laughs> Truly. I've got a friend, and I probably have used him before as an example, but I've got a friend. I love him dearly. But every evening, according to his testimony, unless it's changed, every evening... He connects with friends whom he has never met personally, but somehow he has met online, and they go to their games, and they play their games online. And I'm thinking, that makes sense for a six-year-old, not for a 36-year-old. You have guys who are grown and married, and you have ladies, of course, who are grown and married. And what do they want to do? They still want to party like they're in high school. They still want to party like they're in college. And, and it's like this idea, I don't want to grow up. And, and, and I, I, know, I know it's not all bad and I know it's not all good. And I'm just amazed sometimes that what so-called grown-ups are willing to put on Facebook by way of their, their social life, because I'm looking at that saying, you're not even smart enough to be embarrassed by this. But see, here's the problem with people who don't want to grow up. They are so immature, they don't even know how immature they are. Does this make sense? They are so childish in their mannerisms, they are so childish in their behavior, they are so childish in their thinking that they really think that they are men and women even though they are living like boys and girls just trapped inside grown-up bodies. Now let's listen to this, please. They are so immature, they don't even begin to recognize how immature they are. Now if you think about that for just a moment, the trend that we see in our society today of young men and young women who don't want to grow up, they don't want to mature, they don't want to go past a certain level by way of responsibility and, and things of that nature, we're seeing the same thing to be true in Christianity. Does this make sense? I don't believe that anybody would say this publicly. I don't believe that anyone would say this uh, with any kind of pride or any kind of boldness, 
But there are many people, I believe, in their spiritual life, they have basically come to a place where they have said to themselves, I don't want to grow past this. I don't mind coming to this point in my Christian life. I don't mind coming to this stage of maturity in my Christian life. But when it comes to this, or when it comes to this, or when it comes to this, no, I'm kind of like that jingle, I don't want to grow up. Because, see, whenever I grow up, that means I've got to take on a whole new level of responsibility. I have to take on a whole new level of maturity. And if I, if I really decide to grow up in my spiritual life, then some things have really got to change. And that's not what I want to do. And yet so many people who are immature in their Christian life, they are so immature that they truly believe they are mature. Follow this, please. They have little depth, but they think they have great depth. They have little maturity, but they think they have great maturity. They have little wisdom, but they truly believe they have great wisdom. And on and on and on it could go. But what we are seeing in today's Christian or religious culture is this. So many people who don't want to grow in their spiritual lives because it's going to require quite a bit from them. It's going to demand a lot from them. And... and I'm reminded out of tonight's text that I'm there more often than I realize. And somebody may say, well, what would cause you to think that? Well, notice in the last verse of chapter 5. It says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now this is Christ, we know, speaking to the disciples, and he says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Now what does it mean to be perfect? It means this, to be free from flaws, free from impurities, or without defects. Let's listen. This is very, very, very important, okay? To be perfect means to be free from flaw, free from impurities, or without defects. And Christ says to the disciples, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Aren't you thankful tonight that God in heaven is free from flaw? Aren't you glad that He is free from impurities? Aren't you glad we don't have a defective God? I mean, hello, how miserable would it be to be serving a God who had impurities, who had flaws, who had defects about Him? Okay, so Christ reminds the disciples that our God who is in heaven, our Father which is in heaven, He is a perfect God. And what He says to the disciples is this, that as He is perfect, you and I need to strive to be perfect. So what is Christ actually suggesting to the disciples? And, and what is He actually suggesting to us? He is suggesting this, that in our daily lives, you and I are supposed to strive to be free from flaws, free from impurities, and free from defects. Now, if you begin to look at that, here is what you begin to realize. Christ strips away any excuse we would have for imperfections in our lives. Now, we understand this tonight, don't we? We will not ever attain perfection. We will not ever attain perfection. 
But what is supposed to be our goal and our drive and our ambition in life that I could get through the day and say today, by the grace of God, I don't know of anything that I did blatantly wrong or blatantly sinful. That should be my goal. That should be your goal. That should be the goal and the desire and the pursuit of every believer to be perfect. Now, it's not going to happen. We'll never reach a state of perfection. We'll never reach a state of of, uh, total impurities in our lives. But the word perfect also means this, and I know that some of you know this. It means to be complete or to be whole or to be mature. To be complete, to be whole, or to be mature. Now follow this. I know tonight that I cannot be perfect. I can't be perfect. That is what I am supposed to strive for, and that is again what should be my pursuit and my goal. I cannot be perfect, but I can be mature. Just makes sense? I can be mature. Now, if we think about this in light of its context, notice what he said in verse number 43. This is what we dealt with a few weeks ago. Christ says, Ye have heard that it hath been said, Thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemies. What was the culturally accepted norm of their day? It was this, be good to the people who are good to you, and those who hate you or those who are your enemy, those who resist you, those who, are, who, dis, uh, who oppose you, you are allowed to hate them or despise them or not have any use for them. You remember this? And so the norm of, the, uh, of Christ's day the, the normal attitude, the normal approach, the normal philosophy was this. Hey, if they're good to you, you be good to them. And if they're not good to you, then you don't have to be good to them. And I said several weeks ago that their philosophy is very similar to our philosophy today. If someone is good to me then I, in turn, am naturally good to them. If someone is good to me, I'm going to encourage my family to be good to them. However, if someone is not good to me, I will not naturally be good to them. And if someone is not good to my family, I will not naturally encourage them to be good to them, to those who have been unkind to my family. The reality is this. I am so immature in my Christian life sometimes that I operate according to the ways of the world. And we'll see this more in a few moments. But I am so immature in my Christian life many times that I am only good to my neighbor and I'm not so good to those who are not so good to me. We say things like this. I don't like them. We say things like this. I can't stand them. We say wonderful things like this. I I wish they'd just get out of my life. If they never came around again, I'd be fine with that. Now, Now think about that. Isn't that a wonderful Christian testimony? But we're so good and we're so wonderful and we're so godly and we're so mature. Friends, that is not maturity in the Christian life. 
to only love our neighbor and to hate our enemies. There is no maturity in that approach at all. We'll see this more as we go through the text. But notice what Christ says in verse number 44. Just to shoot down the typical mindset of their day and ours today, notice what Christ says in verse number 44. He says, But I say unto you, love your enemies. Love your enemies. What is an enemy? I've just said it. An enemy is one who resists us, one who stands in opposition to us. They are the people in our lives who tend to make us miserable. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and suppose and assume some things that maybe I shouldn't, but I'm going to suppose and assume that some of you in this room tonight have people in your life who seem to kind of resist you, who seem to stand in opposition to you. And if the truth were told and we weren't worried about sounding religious and, and sacred and holy and godly and all that other stuff, we would just say there are certain people in our lives that irritate us like crazy. Do you have anybody like that in your life or do you just go, man, I'm at peace with everyone? See, I don't know about you, but there are people in my life that I just frankly don't like. See, and this is a part of my humanity that I wish wasn't true and that I could stand before you and say, I know that you all struggle with this, but I don't. But that's just not true. See, there are people in my life that I don't like. And a lot of the reasons behind me not liking them is because they don't make my life less miserable. They make my life more miserable. Not everyone is an encouragement to me just because I'm a pastor. Not everyone is saying, let me cheer you on, Pastor Osfeld. Let me be the encourager. Let me be the supporter. Let me be the one who gets you to where you want to go in life. No, there are people in my life who want to stand in opposition to me, who want to resist me, who just, it seems, enjoys making my life miserable. And you've got people like that in your life. Now, generally speaking, in our flesh, what are we going to do? We're not going to have much dealings with those people. We're certainly not going to go out of our way, necessarily, to do things for these people. But what is Christ saying to the disciples? He is saying this, I understand the culture that we live in that declares you love your neighbor and you hate your enemies, but I am saying to you, this is what the Christian life looks like you love those people. Because see, what we're striving for is perfection. What we're striving for is maturity. See, the immature Christian says, Oh yes, I'm good. Oh yes, I'm godly. Oh yes, I serve the Lord. Okay, but do you love your enemies? Well, I don't want to go that far. Well, then, then we've got a problem in our spiritual development. See, the, the Christian who truly wants to mature, they can look at a person and say, you know what, you seem to enjoy making my life miserable. You seem to enjoy irritating me. You seem to get some kind of a thrill by doing things that you know will frustrate me. But in spite of all that, I am going to continue to love you and do right by you. Listen, and do good to you. 
did you know there are people who are not even my enemies and I don't like them? Need to listen. There are people in my life, they're not even my enemy. And I don't like them. You know why I don't like them? Because they're just so different than me. Please don't look at me like you can't identify with this. They just do things, and they're not even trying to annoy me. It just annoys me. They're not trying to do things that irritate me. They just they irritate me. And you know what my flesh does not want to do? My flesh does not want to love them. I mean, as I was studying this passage and as I was being reminded of these truths, I was thinking back over the course of the last week and I was putting this message together Friday and I thought, good night, I failed in this this week. And it wasn't even someone who doesn't like me. It is just someone that I don't particularly like and particularly care for. And, and I completely chose not to love them the way that I should. Because my flesh didn't want to love them. And nobody could make me love them. And I don't have to love them. And I've got my excuses for why I didn't need to love them at that moment. And so I went on my way, and what was I able to do? I was able to justify my lack of love for someone that I don't really care for. But I'm a pastor, so therefore I must be mature. Well, not necessarily. I may have some areas of maturity, but if I am not loving my enemies, then you know what? I'm not near as mature as I'd like to believe that I am in my spiritual life and in my spiritual progress. And so I'll just go ahead and say it. It's not just true of me. It's true of you as well. If you've got people in your life who would be an enemy or someone that you don't like or someone that you don't care for, and you don't treat them the same way that you do those that you love, then guess what? You're not as mature as you think you are in the Christian life. It doesn't mean we have the same feelings toward them, but it does mean we would treat them the same as those we do have certain feelings and affection for. Me loving someone, and I know that I say this on many occasions, but we've got to remember this. Me loving someone is not determined by my feelings. It is determined by my actions toward them. So if there's a person in my life that I don't like for whatever reason, it's not that I have to be warm toward them or cuddly or fuzzy toward them. No, but what I do have to do is that which is right by them or else I am failing in my spiritual life toward that person. Not only does he say love your enemies, notice what he says next. Bless them that curse you. And do good to them that hate you. The do good to them that hate you would be similar to loving your enemies. So notice just that little statement. Bless them that curse you. What does it mean to be cursed? Well, it means for someone to wish ill upon you. How many of you all know that not everyone likes you? 
Did you hear that? Not everyone likes you. And so therefore, not everyone is cheering for you. Not everyone is hoping for your best. In fact, some would love to see you stumble, and some would love to see you fall flat on your face. They would rejoice in that. And guess what? It is true for pastors as well. There are people out there, as hard as it is to believe, they don't like me. They don't want me to do well. Listen now, they don't want me to succeed. They don't want me to do well. They don't want my family to do well. And here's what I've discovered, that many times when people aren't rooting for us and when they're not cheering us on, they will do what they can. Listen, they will do what they can to try to make our lives fail. They wish ill upon us, and they will work at making sure that they do everything possible to make sure we stumble and fall and fail. Those people have cursed us. And the scripture says I'm supposed to bless them that curse us. What does it mean to bless then? Well, it would mean to wish well upon those who do not wish well for us. Now, again, I want us to walk through this very quickly because you may not be as carnal as me, but if you are as carnal, then you'll identify with this. See, there are people over the years who have not wished me well. So you know what I don't wish for them? Well... Oh, you're going to go out there and say that about me? Well, guess what? I hope you fall flat on your face. Oh, you're going to go out there and you're going to say that about our church even though you know that's not true? Well, I hope I'm there the day that God rubs your nose in it. <laughs> I'm just telling you, this is my flesh. Hey, you, you want to say that about my family and you know that that's not true about my family? Well, let me tell you something. Whenever the same thing happens to your family... Don't expect me to be bothered by it. Can I just be very honest with you and tell you that there have been times recently that I've wanted to see people fail? I just have. That's my sinful flesh. It's my wicked nature. And so there's someone, and again, I know that, that they've not been honest in their representation of me or the church or my family or people I care about. And as they do that kind of a, a, an approach to life, as they live that kind of an approach to life, there is just something within my sinful flesh that says, well, then fine, I hope you fail as well. Yeah. Hey, but hey, don't, 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 don't question my maturity. Christ says, I will question your maturity. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Be mature as your Father is in heaven. So when somebody curses you, you and I do not have the right or the privilege to curse back. We are supposed to bless them that curse us. And then in the last part of verse number 44, he says this. And pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. What does it mean to despitefully use someone and to persecute them? It means to be hateful or hurtful or malicious in their actions toward us. 
hateful, hurtful, or malicious in their actions toward us. There are people, there are people out there who despitefully use us and persecute us. Now think about this. What did Christ tell the disciples to do? He said to, to do what to them? Pray for them. Now, now think about this, please. <laughs> think about this. I don't know how many of you all have a prayer life. Okay? I don't know how many of you truly, genuinely have a prayer life. But there is something I have discovered over the years. And that is this. There is a lot in life to pray for. Okay. There is a lot in life to pray for. Now, I'm going to say something, and if this rubs you wrong, I apologize. If this offends you, I'm sorry. But, but you're just going to have to take it at face value, and you're just going to have to accept it. If you can get your prayers done in five minutes, your prayer life isn't very deep. If you can get your prayer life accomplished in ten minutes and call it good for the day, your prayer life isn't very deep. <clears throat> Because if you begin to pray and pray seriously, as the Scripture tells us to do, here is what you will find, that it takes a while to get through your prayer time. There was a time, and again, if this rubs you wrong, I apologize, but there was a time in which I could get through my whole prayers for the day, and I could get it done in five to ten minutes. And you know what it was? It was basically a scripted, recorded, memorized prayer. I covered all the bases that needed to be done, but I could get up and I could wipe my hands and say, okay, I had my prayer time. Well, there wasn't much depth to that time of prayer. Now, I say that to say this. Over the years, I have found myself saying, okay, boy, there's this situation, and I need to be praying for that. And, and, and Brother So-and-so asked us to pray for this at church on Wednesday night. And this was mentioned Sunday night by Mrs. So-and-so, and I need to be in prayer for that. And, and whether you realize this or not, I really do try to remember to pray for the requests that are mentioned in our church. And I try to pray for families. And I try to pray for people's finances when they're struggling. I try to pray for people's health when it's struggling. And so I'm trying to remember this. And somebody says, pray about my job and pray about my family, pray about my son, pray about my daughter, whatever it may be, and I'm trying to remember all this, and you know what it never, ever enters into my mind? Pray for those who despitefully use me and persecute me. Why would I pray for those sorry dogs? I mean, why would I pray for that jerk? I mean, the guy's an absolute jerk. Why would I pray for him? Why would I pray for her? She's out running her mouth telling lies, and the husband won't even step up and stop her and tell her to shut up. Why would I pray for them? I'm not going to pray for that person. I mean, good grief ungodly, wicked, whatever it may be. I'm not praying for them. And don't think it's just confined to the people in Pampa. There are a lot of people in this world that I could be praying for that I don't want to because I don't like them. 
I'm not trying to sound righteous and holy right now. I'm just trying to be transparent with you. I find myself in the morning spending about 45 minutes to an hour in prayer, and that's for the people I like. And now, Christ, you're telling me to pray for people that don't even like me? And, and you're telling me that I'm supposed to pray for people that I don't like? <laughs> okay, I'll pray for them. God, get them. God, strike them. God, make them. Oh, wait, not that kind of a prayer. Okay, well. I don't want to pray for people that I don't like. And I don't want to pray for people who are unkind to me. I don't want to pray for people who have hurt me. I don't want to pray for people who have lied about this church, who are unkind to my family. And somebody says, well, you keep repeating that. I'm just saying there are people in my life who have done these types of things, and it is not my flesh to say, well, let me love you and let me bless you, and now let me pray for you. But don't question my maturity. Well, hold on. The mature Christian does not live according to the world's mentality. The mature Christian does not live according to the world's philosophy. The world, the, listen, the mature Christian does not live according to the world's statement, love your neighbors and hate your enemies. The mature Christian loves the enemies, blesses them that curses them, and prays for them which despitefully uses them and persecutes them. Now, somebody might say, I don't know about all this. I mean, really? Well, notice in verse number 45. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. Here is the example that God gives us. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. Think about this for just a moment. If anyone is hated in this world, listen, it is God. If there is anyone who is, is hated and despised and treated poorly and mocked and laughed at and made fun of, it is God in heaven, is it not? What would the world love to do with God? The world would love to get rid of God. The world would love to put God somewhere in a corner, never to be referenced again. The, the world would love to completely dismiss everything about the God of Scripture. Well, does God not have the ability to take care of every bit of that if he chose to? Well, of course he does. But Christ reminds them that God, who is hated and despised by so many, he makes the sun to rise on the evil just like he does the good. And he allows the rain to fall on the unjust just as he allows the rain to fall on the just. You know what God's example to us is? They may be evil, they may be wicked, they may be unjust, but you know what? I am still going to be good to them. 
I'm going to allow the rise, the sun to rise upon them. I'm going to allow the, the rain to come when they would need the rain. I'm not going to show partiality. and I'm not going to show favoritism to the just and just to the good. I'm going to treat the unjust and the evil with the same measure of kindness, with the same measure of goodness, with the same measure of love. Why? Because that is the right thing to do. Does God bless His children? Of course He blesses His children. But can you also look in this world today and realize that other people who have been blessed who don't really care for the things of God? Why? Because God is good even to the evil, and He is good even to the unjust. So what am I supposed to do? I'm supposed to look at the example of God, and I'm supposed to try to be perfect even as my Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. And as He is complete and mature and whole, I am supposed to be complete and mature and whole. So they're my enemy. Well, love them. They cursed me. Bless them. They use me and they persecute me. I know, pray for them. Oh, man. Hold on, that's what God does. And if that weren't bad enough, he says this in verse number 46. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have ye? Uh, where's the reward in this if all you are is good to those who are good to you? If all you do is operate according to the world's philosophy and the world's approach to life, where's the reward in this? He says, do not even the publicans the same? And if ye salute your brethren only, what do ye more than others? Do not even the publicans so? What were the publicans? They were the sinners. They were the ungodly. They were the tax collectors. They were the people in society who were hated, who were looked down upon, who were despised. And you know what Christ says? He says, even the publicans do that. The publicans, the lowest of the low, they're the ones who love their neighbors and hate their enemies. That's like saying the most immature people, the most ungodly people, the most unbiblical people in the world, that's how they approach life. Loving your neighbor and hating your enemy. And so if we were to leave here tonight with that same philosophy and that same attitude of simply loving our neighbor and hating our enemies, you know what Christ is basically saying? You're about as mature as one of those publicans. Or you're about as mature as one of those 35-year-old men still playing video games in his parents' basement. That's about how mature you are. That's about how deep you've gotten in your Christian life. I mean, you're one of those guys, you have now managed to reach the lowest form of Christianity a person can reach by simply loving your neighbors and hating your enemies. Now, let's be honest. Tonight, if I just stood before you and said, hey, I've got three words of advice to you or three statements of advice for you, love your enemies 
Bless those who curse you and pray for those who despitefully use you and persecute you. Is there a chance you might say, whether out loud or not, you might say something like this, well, I don't want to. There's a chance. And if you were to respond with something like that, well, I don't want to, that's not what I want to do. You know, in a sense, what you're saying, you're saying this, I don't want to grow up. I don't want to mature. I don't want to develop past this stage in my life. Tonight, here's what I want to do, and, and I don't know if you'd want to do this or not, but tonight I want to be honest enough to admit my immaturity in my spiritual life and my dealings with other people. Why? Because until I'm willing to admit my spiritual immaturity, I cannot mature and increase in my maturity. Now, see, if you want to leave here this evening and say, oh, no, I got that one taken care of. I've, I've, I've got that one whooped. If that's what you want to do, you can do that. But probably the people who know you best would say, no, you don't. Because it is a struggle. And it goes against everything that our flesh wants us to do. Now, do we want to grow up? Do we want to be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect? Is that what we want? Okay, then if so, we've got to love our enemies, bless those who curse us, and pray for those who despitefully use us and persecute us. you got to. Because if we're not willing to, if we're not willing to, then we're basically saying, I only want to go this far in my Christian development, but I don't want to go any further. And even the publicans do that. And I don't want to be on par and on the same level as a publican, as a sinner, as the ones who were despised in the world they were living in. Let's all stand tonight and bow our heads for a word of prayer. Father, I pray that you'd help us tonight to see this as an area of opportunity, a place in which most of us could look at our Christian life and say, yeah, I could grow there.